Welcome back to the End Credits Podcast. Thank you so much for clicking on this episode. I'm your host, Nathan Pig. I am joined once again by my good friend, Phoenix Cloudin. Phoenix, thank you so much for being here. <laughs> yeah, no no problem, especially for this one. Come on now. <laughs> you clicked on this episode. You know what it is. We're talking about the movie event of the year, the cultural important movie of the year, and that is Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Man. We got a lot to say about this film. However, you are listening to this. If you could please check out our other episodes. Um, We are still a growing podcast. This is only episode 20 and we are here to stay. So hopefully you like what we have to hear, whether you're a longtime listener or first time listener, check out what else we've done. We would really appreciate that. So Wakanda forever. Obviously this movie had to deal with something that no other MCU movies had to deal with very few movies in history have had to deal with. And that of course is balancing this story and balancing the sequel while also dealing with the incredibly tragic loss of their star Chadwick Boseman. And we'll talk quite a bit about that aspect of it, but Phoenix, what was kind of your thoughts going into Wakanda forever, knowing that Chadwick wouldn't be there and knowing that they had to, right around the loss of their star uh yeah like that was uh i think that was both you know uh kind of like a sad uh thing to deal with but also it it really sparked my curiosity because i was constantly wondering like how are they gonna do this you know what i'm saying because i was like that was really just the question that you had going into it is like you don't have T'Challa you don't have the Black Panther like how do you tell this story and yeah so I think for me that was like really like the the draw was like the pool was uh I want to see how they get over this hump because this is a this is a pretty steep hump to get over so like um yeah I was just mainly curious about that it was definitely curious, especially because they had waited a long time to put out that first trailer. But once that first trailer came out and they Man. definitely leaned into the emotional aspects of this and almost the fact of like, hey, this is going to be a tribute and mm-hmm. the story of the movies on the back burner. Now, that didn't end up happening. And mm-hmm. I have definitely have some thoughts on that. But at least from that first trailer, when that came out, it was it was like wow we're at a funeral and yeah. all the namor stuff all the sequel stuff is on the back burner and, and from there it really won me over but yeah what what an incredible obstacle um to deal with when you're trying to make a movie like this and of course it's so sad chadwick boseman an icon to the film community, not just with Marvel, but just to not even the film community, the world and how tragic his passing was, how sudden Um, this is going to be the movie event of the year, regardless of ratings, regardless of uh, interest in superhero properties. This is the movie event of the year because in a way it's his celebration and it is his tribute. And I mean, I also want to point out, like, like speaking to the difficulty of how this movie was made, you not only had 
the tragic passing of Chadwick, but you also had filming during the pandemic, which was a challenge all in itself. And you know what I'm saying? And then to have to deal with, with that, I mean, kudos go are well-deserved for Ryan Coogler for just being able to hold this thing together. Uh, Cause that's, that's a lot, you know what I'm saying? You're already dealing with a devastating loss that now not only, you know, does it change your movie, but now you have to work it into your movie. And like, that's, that's a lot. And then you're dealing with a pandemic on top of that. You're dealing with your other star who gets injured. You know what I'm saying? It's just like so, so much. And I was just like, man, I would be like, you know what I'm saying? Just rack. Like I'm sure right now, He's finally like, who is out? I don't care. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's done. Thank God. But like, yeah, I, that was a monumental task that they all had to overcome. That's a great transition into us talking about Ryan Coogler. And Phoenix, you and I talked at length about this um, a couple of days leading up to this recording. Ryan Coogler, there's a big difference between having a great director, someone who knows how to make movies like a Paul Thomas Anderson, like a Steve McQueen, like someone that you know, yeah, that's a great director. Mm-hmm. Make this movie, which Ryan Coogler is. I'm not saying he's not. He definitely is. There's a difference between having that and having someone who can be that steady hand, who can mm-hmm. be that calming presence, who can just hold everything together like glue. And that is Ryan Coogler in this movie. We can talk about Angela Bassett. We can talk about Letitia Wright, and we will. But they needed a captain. Without their captain here, they needed someone that throughout this emotional journey kept them within the lines of we still need to tell the story, but also have the proper amount of grieving and pain throughout as well. And I think there's just something to really be said about Ryan Coogler had this almost impossible task that he really nailed. There's a difference between saying he's a great director. He can do this and he is the calming, steady person. We want to lead this project. Absolutely. All of that, all of that is 100% true. And yeah, that's, and that's what I mean. Like props to Ryan Coogler for just being able to hold this together. And I mean, he did a fantastic job, but that's, dude is solid. He he still has yet to make a movie that I do not like. So, uh, I mean, there's a ton of directors that you would love to have at the helm of your movie, and especially when you're doing such a tentpole cultural blockbuster. Uh, I don't think you have a better choice than Ryan Coogler. Um, but, you know, before we dive in, there's something else I wanted to talk about, which is the phase four of it all. Right. Um, This has been, I guess the word I would describe it is this is the sloppy phase. (laughs) Like, like, this is the sloppy phase where it's like you get one solid picture here, there, and then the rest is kind of just thrown together and it's and it's noticeable. And and, you know, we're not talking numbers. Numbers don't really matter towards our review, but I can't Mm -hmm. help but think that like the sloppiness of this phase will has hurt the overall uh, 
level of appreciation, even for this film, which I think, you know, we would argue definitely the first film and the character of Black Panther is a, a synonymous, like a, is a is a cultural touchstone. And so like, I just feel like the weakness of this phase has really hurt that character and, and this story in particular. I'm not the MCU fan I once was. I, I would even call myself a borderline MCU fan at this point because um, my eyes have been opened and I've kind of just expanded to other things that interest me more. And that's not to cut down anyone who absolutely loves the MCU. Not at all. It's just my interests lie in other places. And two, three years ago where I'd be theorizing and thinking and and trying to put all the pieces together at this point, like that just doesn't interest me as much. I will still watch the movies and I will still judge them for how they are. And I'll get hype about a cameo here or there, but ultimately how everything fits in the MCU just doesn't particularly interest me anymore. Um, but I will say that having seen every movie in phase four, yeah, this definitely is, is sloppy. And you have that audience out there who says, they are building something. They have a plan. They're getting experimental. Like we need to have patience. I think that's the big word that MCU defenders of phase four you start to use now is patience. We're not going to have coming off end game. We're not going to have every project be this massive thing. We have so many new characters introduced. I get it, uh -huh. but you can make quality projects while still introducing it. And you yeah. certainly can make quality projects on a smaller scale. WandaVision, I feel like, was a smaller scale story. Ultimately, there were big implications, but it was a smaller scale story that I think was done phenomenally. Not every movie has to be an endgame. I get it. And we are building up a ton of characters, but I think Marvel's writing has lately been so, so much quantity over quality. And to those MCU supporters who say, okay, if you don't like it, then don't watch it. Well, I'm not. <laughs> or, <laughs> I am, but I don't care about it as much. And I'm sorry to say, but I think Marvel needs to get back on the road here. And they are really, really struggling lately, especially with their with their world building. I say this all the time. Marvel was the first to the block on a successful world building because it was like, hey, Sam Wilson is in an Ant-Man movie. Wow. Right, and right. We have an end credit scene with the... Uh, you know, Nick Fury and Thor, like, okay. Yeah, that was cool. But now I've, there have been other franchises and other IPs that have built out their worlds so much better and so much more cohesive than the MCU has. And it's led me to see kind of all the issues that the MCU has with their world building. Um, but that's just my brief take on that. What I will say, though, is that I've always really appreciated the Black Panther movies, including this one. Obviously, there's only two. <sighs> because these feel like they are in their own world. These don't feel like they have to connect to the greater scheme and the greater universe of Marvel. They tell their own story. And, and sure, we want to look at the nitty gritty. You had Andy Serkis in the first one. You had... right. The end credit scenes. But I mean, these movies can completely stand on their own two legs, both of them, without feeling like they have to connect to this greater purpose, this greater world. Like, 
Eternals, I feel like, had that where it's like, how is this going to connect? <laughs> and while it didn't as much, that left people saying that. And Black Panther, I feel like, has always been the mature movies in the MCU. It's It was so interesting, too. Uh, was it earlier this year? I went and did a uh, Marvel rewatch, you know, just went through all of the films and, and rewatched them again. And it was crazy to me the difference between Black Panther and everything that I'd seen before. Like in just the tone, the style, everything. I was like, and I, I can't remember what movie comes before it. Obviously, Civil War chronologically comes before it. But like, uh, I, I don't know if they released the movie, how the release schedule was, but like even Civil War, you know what I'm saying, which is done by the Russos and it's a fantastic movie and it's the introduction of Black Panther. And you're like, this movie's awesome. The tone from that movie to Black Panther is completely different. Like it's a completely different tone. And so like, it's just, it just amazed me rewatching it going like, like Black Panther feels nothing like Ant-Man. It feels nothing like Guardians of the Galaxy. It feels nothing like, you know, the first two Thor movies. It's it's so very different in in tone and style and and story. Like and, and you're right, like you use the word mature. It's it's a much more mature uh story that they've told in these two movies. And it just shows. And again, that's the that's the Kugler of it all as well. Like, so I guess we said all of this to say that my expectation going into Wakanda Forever was pretty high. Like it was pretty high, despite you know, them losing Chadwick Boseman and, and having to switch the story around and dealing with COVID and the 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 messiness of, of phase four. I was really like, you know. Ryan Coogler is going to pull it together and this is going to be the best thing that probably the MCU has done since Endgame. That was, that was my thought. That was where my expectations were. Absolutely. Um, transitioning into this movie specifically and what comes out of it. I want to do a little bit more of a pro con or mm -hmm. let's talk about the good and then let's talk about the bad, because to be honest with you, um, there's a lot in each one. There's mm -hmm. a lot in each one, at least a lot of things that we have thoughts on and want to talk about. So I'd like to divide it up that way, um, just specifically for this episode. And I think we've already talked about the good in the sense that Ryan Coogler holds this all together. I think come five years from now, come 10 years from now, what will we remember Wakanda forever as? I think we will remember it as this incredible incredible mountain that it had to get over and ryan kugler did get over it and i think that that will always be remembered um as maybe the biggest thing ryan kugler's ever done i mean it's it's easy to it's hard to say that now only having four films under his belt and how much potential he has but we'll always remember this as an incredible achievement in in film um Let's talk about the performances, though. I told you this on Thursday night after we both had seen it. This is not everyone does a good job. I think that's such a lazy take. Oh, right. yeah. Letitia Wright was good in this movie. I think that's so lazy. Let me take it a step further on something that I actually <laughs> believe. I actually believe. 
of the main characters. So I am going to sideline. Um, I am going to sideline Julia Louise Dreyfus and Martin Freeman, mm-hmm. but of everyone else in this film, um, everyone was brilliant with their performances. Brilliant, yeah. not just yeah, they did a good job. Like no, no, Letitia Wright, Angela Bassett, Lupita Nyong'o, Lupita Nyong'o, excuse me. Uh, Dominique Thorne, even, and then um, the actor that plays Namor. If you could help me out with his name, please. Tino Schwerta. Yes, um, and, and even Winston Duke in a smaller role. Mm-hmm. Um, Denai Guerrero, all of them. Phenomenal performances across the board, and very emotional from every single one of them, and. There wasn't a single second of any of their performances where I was like, eh, <laughs> the entire the entire time. I can't speak enough about how great these were. Uh, I second that 100%. Um, yeah. Uh, these were f- excellent performances. Really excellent. Uh I can't go 100, well, I just said 100%, but I'm going to go like 99.9. There's one person who who just a few times during this film really got under my skin, and I really didn't care for them, and that is Dominique Thor. Um, I personally did not like her introduction. Uh, I, I Like, I'm okay. I'm, I'm all for levity. And this movie does offer some scenes of levity, which you absolutely need. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I just didn't care for the the particular jokes and the and the style of her character that they were going for. It was just a little bit too nutty for for the seriousness of this film, for the tone of this film. It, it felt very love and thundery. <laughs> it, yeah, for my I taste. I think there's a difference between saying the character maybe didn't fit into this story as well as we would have liked um, and the performance. I think what she was asked to do, she Mm. did perfectly. Yes. Um, But focusing on the emotional weight, I think you have to look at Lupita Nyong'o, Angela Bassett, and Letitia Wright. Mm. That trio absolutely Actually, I would throw I would would throw Denai Guerrero in there as well. You know what? I would too. I would too, but more as a half because she really is only only half. half Yeah, yeah. You know, you look at that first half. Absolutely, she's right right there with everyone. But it's almost like it's almost like they bring in Lupita Nyong'o off the bench and sub sub her out. Sub her in, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Like Lupita, get in the game and Mm Denai. Come on, you're gonna sit down. That's almost (laughs) what happened. Like, um. Yeah, all, all four of them. All four of them. Remarkable performances from an emotional weight. Obviously, all of their characters had such a friendship connection, romantic connection, motherly connection to T'Challa. Mm-hmm. And not just the fact that they lost it, but they lost him so quick, just like it happened in real life. Right. Their performances were so gritty, and I don't foresee any Oscar conversations here. However, in Angela Bassett, Best Supporting Actress, would be the one for me, if any. It would, it would absolutely be the one for me. Uh, I, I And, you know, I would say, like, absolutely. Like, 
I mean, she's not going to take it. No, but she should 100% be in the conversation. Um, I just think what she does here is just, it's amazing. And it's, it showcases her skill as an actress that in a comic book film, you know what I'm saying? Where most people don't take it seriously. She brings that level of skill to it. You got to respect that. And I just think she she does an amazing, amazing job with it. Uh, still on the performances, though. Um, Tanakh Huerta. <laughs> I mean, Absolutely. wow. Like, I, I was so happy when they announced him as Namor. Because Namor is not a character that I like. Isn't I, I hate this character, in fact. Like, like, in the comics, he's the most annoying person I think I've ever read in the, in the comic books. Um, just a ridiculous, shifty, unnecessarily shifty uh, character. And he just irritated me. But the second they announced Tenoch Huerta as playing Namor, I was like, you know what? I'm on board. <laughs> like, like, I'm like, I'm on board. This guy is a fantastic actor. I know he's going to kill this. And I'm so glad I was right. Like, because he came in and, I mean, also, on a side note, shout out to Ruth Carter, Academy Award winner, uh, costume designer. Her work, she stepped her, she stepped her game up just a smidge in this. And I mean, the look of Namor is fantastic. Like, absolutely fantastic. And any actor will tell you, you know what I'm saying, if they're having trouble trying to find the performance, usually what happens is costumes will get them there. And I think Ruthie Carter got them there. Like, because, like, his makeup, his his costumes, he was sensational in every scene. You believed every word he said. He He brought it. He brought it. And to an immense degree. It was fantastic. Well, and Black Panther 2018 won the Oscar for Best Costume Design. Yeah. And I think this will be back again. There have been a lot of great costumes in 2022, but it'll be back. I I think this would be a stunner if it doesn't at least get nominated. Right. Um, I'm so glad you talked about Tanach Huerta because that is one of the better villains, I think, or anti-heroes, whatever we're going to call them. Right. I think it's one of the better and more memorable villains that we're going to see in the MCU to this point. Now I have a little bit of problems with his motivation, but when you talk about the performance and you talk about across the board memorability factor, I don't even know if that's a word, but how (laughs) memorable he's going to last. Right. I think that is going to definitely stick out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess one more thing that I wanted to say about this is the Michael B. Jordan cameo. Oh, man. <laughs> Phoenix, when you and I first talked about this a few days ago, I had said that it was really cool to see him. Right. But I, I didn't felt like I didn't feel like it quite fit. Um I've since changed that. Yeah. I think this does definitely fit. And it was really cool to see him. Now I have always been of the belief and we can get into theories and, and whatnot. I've always been of the belief that Michael B. Jordan should have been the next Black Panther because Killmonger, the villain in the first one, obviously has ties to Wakanda. 
you can bring him back, redeem the villain, make him the hero. That makes sense on a fictional story standpoint. Oh, but he's dead. Oh, yeah. Like the MCU hasn't brought back dead characters before. <laughs> right. Right. They actually bring back dead characters more than they keep dead characters dead. Right. Yeah. Um, and not only that, but from a cultural importance, like Michael B. Jordan and Chadwick Boseman were very good friends. Um, I, I think that that would make sense. Now, ultimately, I liked what they did. But that is something that I had always believed in. And as we drew closer to the film, we knew that wasn't going to happen. Seeing his character here was great. It was great. And Michael B. Jordan brought back that classic. Like (laughs) I've long felt that even though Killmonger is a great villain, Michael B. Jordan plays him perfectly. That is such like, what's the word I want to, how do I want to describe this? Like, (laughs) That type of character, the way he talks, the way yeah. he acts is like so far outside what Michael B. Jordan normally does. Right. And <laughs> he's, he's great at it. By no means is this a negative thing. Right. But it's like Michael B. Jordan normally operates in this circle of like how his characters normally act, talk, like all yeah. that. And Killmonger is so far outside that <laughs> circle. But he just he just brings it back immediately, yeah. like he never stopped. It was like it was like riding a bike, dude. It was scary how good he was. Like and like it's a short cameo. I think it's maybe three minutes long, but like holy, ca- like when when you see that reveal, like he's scary. Like he's he's like legit scary. He's dead, and you know he's dead, and he's still like terrifying. Like like I'm like. And he just speaks with such a sneer, you know what I'm saying? Such a sneer, such moxie. Like you're dead, and you're still like this confident. Like that's that's crazy. And like, but his his scene is probably one of my favorites in this entire movie because it so speaks to uh, the heart of this film uh, about you know the difference between. Uh, righteousness and and rage, you know what I'm saying? And like he was he was the polar opposite of T'Challa in that sense, where he was just he was just nothing but pure rage. And to have this scene where he confronts Shuri, and she has to confront her own rage, I thought that was just brilliant. Like in terms of writing. That was ex- that was especially nice. I thought that was a really nice touch for that character. Yeah, and it it did make sense. I went back on it. I think it fits from Shuri's rage of not only losing her brother but losing her mother, getting threatened by Namor in the way that she did after being kidnapped. Like she would definitely have a lot of built up anger, and acquiring the powers and abilities of the black panther she definitely could use that as rage and hate and that scene with killmonger was important to kind of ultimately lead to her motivations um other good stuff other stuff that we liked from this i think for a two hour and 40 minute movie i wouldn't say this flew by there were times where i was like there were times where i was like <laughs> does this scene really? Does this scene really need to keep going? Yeah. However, when we, when I, we get into the cons, I think I know exactly what scenes we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> however, it was, it did not feel in totality like a two-hour, forty-minute movie. 
No, it actually, um, like, it didn't blow by. Like, you definitely felt the two hours of it. But, like, it wasn't It wasn't like you weren't engaged the entire time. You know what I'm saying? There was stuff to, to be engaged about. Every my, um, my final pro, at least that I would like to talk about today, not the only good things out of this mm-hmm. movie, obviously, but my final pro that I want to talk about today is I really really respect the decision to keep namor alive Mm. moving forward moving forward no matter what role he plays from a villain from a hero from an anti-hero whatever the case is i have long thought and this goes back to me saying i'm not as big of an mcu fan as i once was and they're my issues with their world building Mm. you cannot keep just disposing of villains every new project every new project what does the mcu have now like 37 40 projects total <laughs> you cannot have 35 villains more. is it really it's, yeah uh it would probably be closer to like 45 let's call it 45 just as yeah. a rough guess <laughs> you cannot have 40 villains for 45 projects you can't like right. you cannot build out your world like that <laughs> you can't that's why we need to start recycling some of these people right and that would make your world building a lot more thorough and deep and culminative and the fact that that's why i love that wandavision left agatha alive say what you want about agatha having her own show that provides value right and now we see that namor was left alive not just from shuri's motivation to not kill him but like the mcu cannot just keep introducing a new villain and two hours later they're dead right they we we need to start recycling some of these folks and the fact that namor is going to do that whatever capacity i respect that yes i i 100 agree um i have a couple of other uh pros um do it i definitely want to shout out the fight choreography um you know like I love, 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 love the Dora Milaje. I just love that entire concept. And the women who are in that, they're no joke. Like they they put in the hours, like they put in the hours, they put in the training, they learn how to use these weapons. They are very talented, skilled performers. Um, and I just think it's incredible that they have such uh, a depth of characters to go through uh, with that. Uh, their fight choreography in many of these scenes were fantastic. There's a fight scene on a bridge um, between a Koye and one of the Talakans that is <laughs> like chef's kiss. Perfect. I mean, it's really, really good. Um, the other thing I want to point out, um, the other award that uh, 2018's Black Panther won, and I think it'll be in the conversation again this year, is production design. Uh, Hannah Beachler's production design is stunning. Like the worlds that she creates, I mean, are absolutely out of this world. And then this year they had to do an uh, an entire underwater uh, world. You know what I'm saying? And I just think there's no way, there's no way this doesn't get in the conversation. Like her work is phenomenal. It's really outstanding. And so I, I just had to heap praise on that. And one last thing I have to heap praise on is the Talacans. Well, like, like, whoa. Like, you want to talk about a legit threat? Like, the Talacan army is the one threat 
to Wakanda that I actually feel is equal. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like they did an excellent job in building this these uh this antagonistic force that could rival one of the strongest forces we've seen in the entire MCU up to this point. So I dug it. I thought their their abilities were impressive. I liked their story. I liked the backstory of Namor. I thought it was all mm. just solidly well done. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, let's move out of the negatives. And so I just to... want y'all to know, those who are listening, we spent a long time on the positives. So these negatives. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I have to be careful with how I say this because I don't want this to come off the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Phoenix, you and I talked at length about this, and I feel like I was able to kind of convince you or at least strengthen your argument if you felt the same. Um, Chadwick Boseman meant so much to a lot of people, and especially for this studio and especially for Disney – he, they looked at him as one of their pivotal figures, looked at him as such an icon, so much so that they decided in this movie that they were not going to recast him. They were not going to disrespect or tarnish him in any way by creating CGI, by doing voiceovers that were not him. They were not going to touch him. And that was a decision that they made, no matter how you feel about it, that is a decision that they made. And they go on these interviews and they do all these pressers and everything about this movie, not just from a standpoint of this is for Chadwick. We love him. We miss him. They hype this up as this is Chadwick's tribute. Like we did this all for him. And I am, again, not saying there's I'm only speaking in factual statements right now. Like this is what they wanted to do. They treated this man like we are totally making this movie for him like. We're not touching him, and we are going to do him right. I do not feel like they put their money where their mouth was whatsoever. Um, Now, I watched the movie. I'm aware of what they did. And here's the other thing. My buddy that I watched this movie with gave me a ton of crap for it when we were talking about this. Mm-hmm. I was not expecting to go in and expect a two-and-a-half-hour Chadwick Boseman tribute. Right. I was not, and I was not expecting to ball my eyes out over it. Um, they have a job to do. They have a movie to tell, and they wanted to honor him, and they made their best attempt at that. But it wasn't enough. No. For as much as you talked about how much this man meant to you, you did not do enough. And that's why I have to be careful with what I say because there are going to be people who listen to this and say, well, what did you want them to do? Well, I'll tell you what I wanted them to do. I'll tell you. But I think for a five-minute scene at the beginning with a gorgeous funeral, I think all that was well done, but that wasn't enough. And then they did the opening crawl where they replaced everything with him. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Beautiful. That was brilliant. Yes. But then at the end, they have Shuri on the beach thinking, and I think there's four shots mm-hmm. from the old movie. Four? And then it ends Um, for as much as they talked about how much they wanted this to be about him and how much he meant to them. They did not do they, they hardly 
gave him a tribute. Hardly. I I think it was a very half-assed in a way. Not half-assed because, of course, they put a ton of effort into it. This was half of what they could have done. Especially when you consider how much they talked about it. Like, yes, when you consider how much they talked about it to only have like three, maybe four scenes, really. And I mean, there's there's mention, obviously, of T'Challa throughout the script. Right. Yes. Yeah. There's a ton of mention to, of him. But like, as far as like a tribute, you understand, like, because like you said, this man meant everything to not just this cast, but like to so many millions of people, like definitely culturally, he was so significant. And so many people loved him and respected him for for his work. And it just was like, you needed more. For a guy, for a guy of his stature and status and legacy, the amount of reverence that you could have given him uh it 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 could have and should have been way more and i'm not saying that they didn't try i'm not saying that you know the the effort wasn't there it certainly was it was just simply not enough just because of who chadwick was and what he meant i feel like there should have been just a little bit more and like i'll i'll try to say like you know something specifically but like I think about like um, you know mo- that that final beach scene where you know she's thinking about Chadwick. They only show clips from the first Black Panther movie, and I'm like, you know, you could have shown something from Infinity War. You could have shown something from Endgame. You know what I'm saying? Like he was in other movies. You know what I'm saying? Where Shuri was there, um, or even if you are going to just show Black Panther, okay, you could have shown six more scenes from Black Panther. You know what I'm saying? Like. It was other, it was a lot more that you really could have explored. And it, 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 yeah. And I'm glad we see eye to eye. And again, I want to communicate to our listeners that we weren't expecting, like, this wasn't the biggest thing they had to do this movie. Right. Right. And I don't even have a problem with how his fictional character was killed. I actually right. like that. I like that. For as much as you hyped up, this is for Chadwick. He means so much to us. Like, like to not touch his character at all is insane. Like praise, disagree, right. agree, whatever. That's an insanely like let's put you on top shelf pedestal, mm-hmm. and then to give him five minutes of a two hour and forty minute movie felt strange. Um, what I would do, and you and I talked about this. I think this is a home run slam dunk. Keep everything the same. Let's make that um, opening scene where they are celebrating at his funeral more like 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, that should keep the opening crawl. Keep the opening crawl. When Shuri is at the beach at the end and she is thinking back to memories, instead of, hey, hey, four clips, why don't we do 10? Why don't we do 12? When we do a lot, and instead of it being silent, you mix the silence with old audio lines from his past movies, Uh from the four movies that he appeared as Black Panther. That way you're not touching his legacy. Look, if we're going to use old 
visual scenes. We could certainly use old audio scenes. They're not new. They're just things that he used to say. He definitely had a lot of powerful lines, whether it be about his kingdom, whether it be about his people, whether it be about him as an individual. There definitely could have been things that he says that overlay. And then the final piece of it is you show the scene from Civil War or you just continue to overlay these scenes of him through past movies. And you use one of the first lines that T'Challa ever says in the MCU. He my says, culture, death is in, not the end. in my culture, death is not the end. Black screen in memory of our French Chadwick Boseman. You're telling me that that would not have been the most power. It was right there. It like, was right like, there. honestly, I just got choked up with you talking about it. Like, that was crazy. Like, like... You overlay like 10 scenes. It's silent. It's got him talking. Not a ton. Maybe four or five lines. In the end, in my culture, death is not the end. Talk about an absolutely tangible statement with what really happened. Yeah. This is a fictional character saying this about another fictional character, but it's him saying it. And of course, with his untimely death, he says that black screen in loving memory of our French. I can't believe that. I can't believe that that did not happen to be honest with you. It was right there and they didn't do it. Yeah. I would say that's, that's probably, that's probably the harshest criticism that I have for this movie is that, is that the opportunity to honor Chadwick properly and fully um, didn't really come to full fruition. I mean, it was there and it was nice. It just, it just could have been better. And I honestly feel like, you know, take like, all right, now I'm gonna get into my cons. Um, <laughs> well, real quick though, um, before you do that, I want to say that, I think Fast 7 with the Paul Walker tribute is the OG perfection tribute to a situation like this. Uh Um, Now, I can't compare everything to what's the best, obviously. Right. But you can certainly draw from it. And you could certainly say, wow, this worked so well on an emotional level, on an everything level. And again, I need to clarify that they were never going to CGI Chadwick Boseman like they did Paul Walker. But regardless, they could at least draw from it. And I think all the overlay of old scenes from the Fast 7 tribute paired with the music, paired with the dialogue, really hit home. And you're telling me they couldn't do something like that? Really? Yeah. Really? I'm sorry, Phoenix. Go ahead. Yeah, no. And um, and, uh, and I have to speak to a decision that was made in the script that I, I got to say I just really, really don't like. Um, we are already dealing with the, the death of not only – Chadwick but also T'Challa and I feel like it was kind of a cheap thing to do to like stack on the emotion which you you really didn't need to do by killing Queen Ramonda I feel like I feel like that took away a little bit from Chadwick was because it was like it kind of felt just extra right like it wasn't it wasn't necessary I feel like you still could have had that same level of rage that same level of emotion going into your final act 
if you say the queen's in a coma, right? If you say, you know, she's in critical condition, she's in a coma, you, you know what I'm saying? And just the possibility that she might also lose her mother, I think would have been just as strong to, to ignite Shuri's rage as a motivator um, than killing her, than outright killing her. Because the outright killing her, it, it kind of, it, it, it weakens the film in two ways. One, it weakens the impact of Chadwick's death. And two, it makes her decision at the end also kind of, I mean, like, yeah, we just said you shouldn't have killed Namor, but I'm like, I don't know. Like that, like, you're just gonna let someone pass for killing your mother and, and you're going to now what, be allies? Like, to me, that's just a bridge too far. This man killed your mother. That's a bridge too far. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I'm like, I get it. I get the the political reasons why you don't kill him. But I feel like if this person kills your mother, you gotta say damn all to those political reasons. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And and I just feel like it would have been so much stronger to have have put her in critical condition, give Shuri that rage. And then when she tries to, uh, you know, uh, snap, you know, she she does it. You know, she pulls it back. I feel like that would just would have been a stronger way to go with with this story, personally. And I feel like going with killing Ramonda was was the wrong choice. And especially because, as much as we love Angela Bassett, the reason that that scene is emotional is not because we care so much for Queen Ramonda. It's because we care for Angela Bassett. And I feel like you haven't done enough with this character in these two films to really endear that character to us. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I look at it like Aunt May, right? The most recent Aunt May by Marissa Tomei. She had two movies, three movies, really, to, to showcase that character and what she brought to it. And it was fantastic. And then the moment when she finally says the line, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. The lump in your throat is bigger than your throat. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's, that, it's that powerful. So, like, to me, I feel like we didn't get that moment with Queen Ramonda. And I feel cheated for that, for that character. In a similar vein, I just hate the way that she dies. Yeah. Like, even even if we're going to go ahead and kill her... I kind of hate the way that it happens. She drowns. That's yeah. it's kind of lame. And yeah. and we can we can look at it from a standpoint of oh she saved Riri, but like I just I don't like as painful as this is to say, if we're going to make that decision, I feel like stabbing or like some more of like a totality death or something more sinister from Namor, like why? Why do we decide to kill her? Because we want to legitimize Namor as a threat. We could have. Um, you you still could have done that just by not killing. Like I said, just putting her in a coma at the very least. Yeah, I think that would have been cool. Even even if we knock her out for like the next couple of years, like right come to a twenty twenty five movie, she wakes up like that'd be cool. It's like I love when movies do that. I love when movies make you forget about a character or mm. TV shows make you forget about a character, and then you're like, oh wait, they're back. Right. Um. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I don't... Let's talk about Namor's motivation because we seemingly both have issues with this. 
I think Namor's backstory is tremendous. I can see why he has a problem with the so-called land people. Um, but the thought process of my city has vibranium in it. There is now a machine that locates vibranium. That in turn is a threat to my people. I need to protect my people. Okay. That cool. we're on board. We're yeah. on board. I need to kill the person that made this machine. Okay. Yeah, that might be a little drastic. That might be a little drastic, but okay. Still. Wakanda will not let me kill the person that made this machine. So I need to team up with Wakanda to take down every land person in the world. Mm. And when they say no, I'm going to go to war with Wakanda. Really? Mm. Really? (laughs) First of all, Marvel, we're on Project 45, like we talked about. I thought <laughs> I thought we were kind of over the whole mustache twirling, I'm going to take over the world plot. <laughs> um, I thought we were over that, but I guess not. Um, but just the jump from like this person built a device that threatens my people to mm. I want to kill every land person – that is a monumental jump. That yeah. is a monumental jump. And you can sit here and say, well, don't you remember Namor's backstory? He saw how the land people treated mm-hmm. him differently and how they treated people. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. But for years, he was cool for mm-hmm. like decades, just living under the sea, letting the land people do that and be like, yeah, they suck up there. But, you know, whatever. We're down here. We got our own. Yeah, we got our own. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it's now let's take over everything. Everything. That's 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 a big jump. Yeah. That's a really big jump. Yeah. Yeah. And that was that's again like pointing to the weaknesses of the script. Like I get that at some point we have to have Namor clash with Wakanda, right? That's the whole premise of this movie. No problem. It literally could have just been over Riri. That it that like legit, it could have just been that. Yeah. We ha- we need to kill this scientist because they're the only one who knows how to make this device. And if other people want to get their hands on this device, they're going to go to her or they're going to replicate what they can. You are putting us at risk. That alone, that alone is it. That is a strong enough motivation that we do not need the rest. We legitimately do not need it. You could be like, oh. give me the scientist. Or, or or we're going to war and that's it and that's not all only need. not only that you can tie in the fact of like hey i need the scientist when he's talking to shuri i need her because she threatens my people and shuri can be like well she we can get her to stop making it. i'm pretty sure that's a line in the movie like we can get her to stop making it like she doesn't have to die and then we can tie in namor saying something along the lines of like i've seen the land people do unspeakable things to get what they want she says she's not going to make it. You're telling me she's not going to make it. I have seen civilization do things mm-hmm. that are incredibly wrong to get what they want. So I cannot take anyone's word like that. Bam. There we go. And they, I see and- people all over Twitter. This happens. This is hilarious because this happens anytime an MCU villain is decently written. <laughs> people are like, but was Namor wrong? And I said, I saw, I must have seen tw- 10 tweets this morning, 10 tweets this morning being like, y'all realize Namor wasn't wrong, right? 
uh yeah he was yeah he was was. (laughs) like absolutely it's it's hilarious anytime there's a villain that's even moderately written well it's it's yeah he wasn't wrong yeah he was you can you can talk about there's a huge difference between killmonger being like we have these resources that wakanda has we need to end injustice and suffering because we can put power into the hands of people who need it who literally do not have the ability to fight back and i was one of those people killmonger says versus namor who's like "Ooh, mad scientists let me take over the world no they are not the same they are not the same (laughs) amazing performances by both they're both well written yes no i do not want to see another tweet that says which one's (laughs) better not even not even close yeah like in terms of motivation it, it it just made no sense and, it, and that was the case, like, this is my biggest issue with this movie, is, like, you had something perfect, and they just kept going, and you just went too far each time. It's like, we got this tribute to Chad, let's also kill his mother. It's like, no, 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 dial it back. Like, like we got this great villain with a great motivation, and now he's going to take over the world. Like, no, 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 pull it back. And then we have something that like not only this 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 probably you know what i've said this several times that something made me the maddest these all these things make me the maddest um we have this subplot going on between uh wakanda and the united nations and all of these different countries um and this is where we get martin freeman's character julie louis dreyfus's character and 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 i'm just like this is the this is this could have been the most interesting aspect of this film and instead it ends up being the most unnecessary aspect of this film like like there's three things going on here like we got the death of chadwick we have this invading uh country beneath our feet and then we have all of these other warring countries, all of these other countries that are now aware of Wakanda and aware of Vibranium who want to steal those resources. And it was like, this third thing here is a great concept. It's a great story. And it goes nowhere, <laughs> like, like literally nowhere. And I was like, you know what would have made this great is if we could have connected this last thir- this third story to the other two that was going on and it we don't for whatever reason there are few plot devices more obvious in a movie than Martin Freeman was in this movie <laughs> there is absolutely no reason whatsoever that his character needs to be in this film no no reason and sure Oh, but he's in the first one. At least he had a reason to be in the first right, one. Right, right. This is exactly what I was saying about like, oh, Sam Wilson's in the Ant-Man movie. Wow. This is like Julia Louise Dreyfus. She was in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Wow. There's no reason. No. There's no reason. He's <laughs> in here to connect Riri Williams to the story. And, and that's it. And if, if that was all he was there to do, cool. There's no reason to keep going back to him, especially if you're not going to connect this C plot with everything else that's going on. Like, imagine that final battle scene if 
we got Wakanda fighting Talakan, and we got Shuri and Namor on the beach fighting, and then all of a sudden, you know, six, seven nations, you know, use a decide to go on a covert mission and attack Wakanda, right? And then all of a sudden, now the Talakan and Wakandans have to work together to stop these invading forces. <laughs> like at least then you've tied your your c plot narrative into the rest of your film and i'm just like you know with with the other two things where you went too far this is one where you pulled back too far i was like it's like you should have brought this more to the forefront did it in this movie and then at least and again as long as we're you know if if we don't kill ramonda we put her in a coma so then that that gives Shuri even more reason not to kill Namor. And then we have an invading force come and challenge Wakanda. And, and we've already seen how, how Ramonda felt about, you know, invading nations coming to Wakanda. I feel like there's a better, darker movie here than what yep. we received. And yep. like, and there was ample ways to do it correctly. And I feel like you, 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 you you take Queen Ramonda's death out of it, you put her in a coma, you you have Shuri have all of that rage going into it, you have this C plot where these nations secretly plot to 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 invade Wakanda, and and maybe we get a reveal of who who sold this uh this weapon to the CIA so that they can find some way to sneak into Wakanda. What it will like, you know, whatever it may be. I don't know. And 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 there it is. And and me personally, I feel like you end this movie with, you know, Shuri or or Mbaku, one of them, saying to the United Nations, Wakanda's closing its doors. You know what I'm saying? Like you've invaded us and you wanted to steal our resources. You've decided to do it by force. So now we're done. We're done. Wakanda's closed again. And you guys brought this on yourselves. So you won't receive any of our resources. We won't receive any of our technology and our doors are closed. And yes, that may have been a darker way to go about it, especially after the first movie ended with Wakanda opening its doors. But I feel like that would have been a stronger movie to to show like, you know, you you can't treat this civilization like this and then expect them to keep handing you gifts. You know what I'm saying? So I was just like, there was a way to do this better. And as much as I love Ryan Coogler, and I think he did a fantastic job, just these three things could have could have gone, gotten this movie from, yeah, it's pretty good, to no, this is this is the best thing that they've done since Endgame. And that was all it took. And, and it just, it upsets me that it didn't do that. It's just sad that there's a lot of, things that are easy corrections yeah it feels like for such a veteran studio um the first black panther was so mature i feel like we use that word a lot yeah it's so mature from a cultural standpoint from a significant standpoint and for telling this story um in an established superhero world and you would think that with the tragic the tragedy that was surrounding this movie and the challenges that come with that, obviously this would almost be more mature and more dark and more of a, 
real eye opener for what we could make superheroes be movies be. But no, it kind of falls back into some of the same stigmas that the MCU has long time struggled with, especially there's, in this phase. There's one more thing, and I, I wanted to talk quickly about this. Um, I want to talk about the end credit scene, and you're not going to ta- recast T'Challa, but <laughs> you kind of, but you kind of are. You find a nice like, little loophole there. That is like 100% a loophole. It's like, yeah, we're not going to recast the character, but we are. We really, we actually are. Like, we are. No, guys, it's it's okay. It's it's okay, guys. It's his son. It's his son. Okay. <laughs> but, but he's got the exact same name. Yep. It's probably, he's probably going to take up the mantle. Like no at doubt. some, maybe not in the next movie, but at some point he's taking right. up the mantle. And it's like, um... I don't know. Like, <laughs> are we really doing this? Like, yeah. it's it goes it toes the same lines of like, if they weren't so vocal and so adamant about we're not recasting him, we're not doing this. If they had not said any of that, and they were like, yeah, Chadwick is our king. He's a friend. He's an icon. We are not going to replace him with another actor in this movie. That's almost different. But they're like, we're we're not going to disrespect him like that. We're just going to bring in a new actor and have him play the same name and play the same character. We talk a lot about, you and I talk a lot about, like, how is this going to age? And in 10 years, are we going to look back and be like, hey, remember when Chadwick Boseman unfortunately passed away? And they were like, we're not touching him. But then they cast his son. And now his son is the new Black Panther going by the same name. Uh, that feels very cheap. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It feels very cheap. Yeah. What do you think? I disagree. I mean, I agree that it's it's kind of like hot swerve, gotcha. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm like, but I think like the way they played it was was almost like almost like you lied to us you know what i'm saying like it was like it's like he lied to us like we and there there's been this debate online you know people being like recast t'challa and we're like and those of us who are like you know like no bro like that's not that's not what you do and and i have to say on that front i am i am still firmly in that crowd i do not think they should have recasted t'challa i loved what they did with this with this character and the way that they told this story thought it was brilliant showed him the utmost respect uh that they possibly could have shown him and shown this character so i absolutely mm-hmm. loved it um and i like that scene the end where it's revealed that Toussaint is real name is prince t'challa you know what i'm saying and i'm like you know what i love it i like like i genuinely loved it because i'm like that character deserves to live on it, it that character absolutely deserves to live on and if we cannot get chadwick fine give me give me his son <laughs> like and i don't know the kid's name because he has he's i think he is actually like nigerian or something he has a very long name but great kid actor i'm like i don't know if they'll stick with him you know in 10 years when he gets older but a uh, great kid actor 
so whomever they get uh, in the future, I'm really excited for T'Challa Jr. to take over uh, this mantle. So I loved it. I don't care. <laughs> like, like, was it a swerve? Was it a loophole? Yes, absolutely. Uh, is my heart happy? Yes, absolutely. Like in Swerved. this, <laughs> this um, to me, and I and I said this to you uh, uh, Thursday after we got out of it. This was the scene for me that that put the movie over the over the hill for me. This was the scene that made me go, I absolutely love this movie now. Like, <laughs> and just just because of that, I thought it was a perfect way to wrap up this story, and I enjoyed it, and and I loved that decision. Well, it's good that we disagree on something at least. <laughs> um, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Final thoughts on Wakanda Forever, along with your rating. It is right out of the gate. It is flawed. It has issues. We just spoke on those issues. Those are things that I feel like, you know, has been a staple of this entire phase where it's just like, if you had just done this one thing differently, this thing differently, we would be talking about an excellent film. You know what I'm saying? We would be talking about a five-star film. So like, that's the only thing that, that rubs me wrong is that like, it had that potential. It really had that potential to be far better, far better than um, than it was. So that that rubs me the wrong way. But for what it is, there's some excellent stuff in here. Excellent performances, excellent costume design, excellent um, production design. The music is sensational. Uh, Ryan Coogler's direction is is brilliant. The emotional beats are there. It it has it has a lot. It's got a strong foundation. It just it it missed the mark just a just a hair. And it, I I almost wish that they do like an alternative ending or director's version where they do bring in those things that we talked about, not killing Ramonda, um, you know, bringing that C plot further into the story closing down Wakanda, that whole thing, I feel like would have would have strengthened this movie a, a great deal. Um, but overall, I think I'm going to land solidly on like a three and a half for Wakanda forever. Um, I think it's I think it's a much better film than much of the this phase. But those things really irritate me. And I just I just wish that they had been tweaked. And and just for I don't feel like my expectation was too high. I feel like this absolutely had the potential to be the best thing that they've done since Endgame. And it really could have hit that mark. And the fact that it didn't, and it was so easy to do so, really kind of hurts my hurts my opinion of it. But other than that, it's a solid film all the way around. Remarkable performances. I love that Letitia Wright gets the mantle despite us all knowing she was going to and how they play that into the story is an underrated aspect that we didn't cover. I really like how they have her take up the mantle. Um, phenomenal performance all around. Would love some form of recognition for Angela Bassett and her emotionally resonant performance. Um, I think Namor is one of the more relevant MCU villains, despite having some questionable motivations. 
gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous green scene, green screen cinematography. Um, and the costume design was phenomenal. And I like some of the writing decisions, particularly near the end. However, there are some strange writing decisions and the emotional moments are significantly lighter than one would assume given the incredible tragedy and how much they talked about the incredible tragedy. I think all in all, this is a movie that the potential was so much more and it should have been so much more specifically for a guy like Ryan Coogler, who despite this could have been so much bigger than what he is uh, producing here. He still did a great job because this was an impossible movie to balance all in all. It's a three and a half out of five for me. Um, I think there's a lot this movie does well, but I also think there's a lot of missteps along the way. And ultimately, this should have been Chadwick Boseman's tribute. And I'm sorry, but it's not. Yeah. All right. Three and a half from both of us. Phoenix, tell everyone about the Film Code podcast. So uh, my other podcast, uh, Film Code Pod, we are available. Uh, we are weekly podcasts. Uh, we cover the current uh, movie award season. And uh, yeah. <laughs> you guys can find us on Twitter and Instagram and wherever you get your podcast at Film Kill Pod. Um and check us out. We are in the midst of our third season and it's going pretty well. So uh give us a give us a like, give us a follow, um, rate our episodes, let us know what you think, because we don't get to hear a lot from our audience. So we'd love to know, you know, what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. And uh yeah. Give us a listen. Yeah, give those guys a, a shout over there at Film Code Podcast. I hopped on for the Woman King and for Black Adam, and those guys do a great job over there as well. Um, my name is Nathan Pig. Thank you so much for listening to the End Credits Podcast. Shout out to our executive producer, Jack Feifner. We could not do this podcast without the amazing work that Jack does, so thank you to him. However you are listening to this, please go ahead. Check out our other episodes. If you've listened this far, chances are you like what you're hearing. So please give us a follow and a rating. We really appreciate you guys listening. We hope to see you next time from Jack, from Phoenix, from myself. This has been the End Credits Podcast. Thanks so much for being here.